Hello there! You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of Scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And you are joining us today for the next installment of our sixth season here at The Well, Worthy of Honor, where we highlight awesome women in the Bible to learn all that we can from their stories. And as you know, from ev- for every episode this season, we will be joined by a different awesome woman who is currently at work building the kingdom of God. This week's guest, in her own words, is very single, has spent four years working in campus ministry, and was involved as a student for three years before that. A a fun fact about her is that she collects gold pineapples because pineapples are the international symbol of hospitality, and she loves gold. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, he bears and she bears Miss Danny Francis. Danny, how are are you doing as as you cover your face over Zoom? Uh, One... I, well, I'm, well, thanks for asking. Thanks for having me. I definitely filled that out like almost two months ago. So one, I forgot what I put. Two, I don't think I realized you were going to read it word for word. I thought you were just kind of asking some general questions. We we're going to pull from that. Nope. Nope. Verbatim. <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> I, I assumed you were cool with that. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing in there that I'm, it's not, it's not that there's, I'm a, but it's not that I don't want it, that any of those things are secretive. It's more so when you, like, it's like if you had a married person, it would maybe make sense to say that they were married because it kind of informs some of their experience. <laughs> I wasn't, ex- mostly wasn't expecting you to say that I'm very single. <laughs> I read. Is that what ex- you wrote? <laughs> that is exactly what's there. I didn't improv that. That would be awful. <laughs> We are off to a great start. <laughs> but anyway, Listen, wherever it's true, it's not not an untrue statement. Indeed, no, nothing in that was false. Nothing in that was false. So how are you? How are you doing today? It's it's a Friday as we record this. What's your week been like? Yeah, it's uh, doing well. Just been it's been a pretty light week in terms of things that I've had going on. So. Uh, this has actually been like the big thing my week's been centered around. So been studying up. I was showing some of you earlier. I've got my notes ready to go. I'm very excited. I have been badgering you all about letting me be on the podcast since I first heard about it. So I'm really honored that uh and excited that I wore you all down and now I get to be here. It's a it's a delight to have you. It only took us a year to have guests. But you were the first person we asked once we decided to do it. So thank you for, for keeping us keeping in our minds. I were really excited to have you. So let's get things started. If we're not if, if we're not warmed up enough already, let's get things started with our question of the week se- segment. If you'd like to submit a question for us to answer during the segment, you can email us at three guys at the well at gmail.com. That's the number three, then guys at the well, all one word and lowercase at gmail.com. And our question today is from Charles's wife, Chelsea, who asks, what is your hype, like pump up, let's get it going kind of music or songs? Stuff you'd listen to at the gym or if you just need to like vent some stuff. What is what does that look like for you? I actually know my answer already. Um, well, y'all know I love Taylor Swift. And while she's not the answer to this question, I just certainly wasn't going to let a question go by and not mention my love for Taylor Swift. Um, but I spent a lot of time traveling in the past year for work, which is kind of ironic because it was also the year we were in a pandemic, but, but pretty much all that travel was done in the car. So I spent a lot of time in the car. I had, uh, eight, nine hour drive from Maryland to Michigan, which I've done a fair bit at this point, but one drive was particularly hard. And like the last half hour, I was just like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Like, I, like, I'm so exhausted. And then all of a sudden just this thought came to my mind and it was fallout boy. And I jammed to fallout boy for the last half hour of the drive. And it just like, it is, I'm not like, I'm not a huge fallout boy fan in that. I don't know all the like deep cuts and stuff like that, but like their hits, man, like they are my hype music. Oh, yes, Danny. Good answer. Good, Good answer, answer okay. Danny. <laughs> oh, I love me some follow-up, boy. That just made me so happy. Bring me back to middle school. Uh, they've released a lot since then. 
I haven't listened to them in my adult life. You need well, to. Okay. You do need to. They've got some good stuff. <laughs> they got some good stuff. How recent? Well, I mean, recently it's like in the past eight eight years. But anyway, <laughs> Mania is a good album. Save Rock and Roll is a good album. Like Eli, treat yourself. Eli, what in- inferior hype music do you listen to? <laughs> so there's one song in particular, fairly recently, that's been really getting me hyped, and that is "The Search" by NF. Um, oh yeah yes and yeah. and yes good one super hype music oh but like beyond that uh either anime battle music and that's gonna sound like a big nerd energy kind of thing yeah it is or <laughs> um like epic score music for movies those are those are good answers i have wrestling theme music on my gym playlist so nice. we'll both be nerds together <laughs> is that the answer to your to the question drill Wrestling. no oh, okay no um it, it it varies um but the the goat the one that's like that's still in my head since you asked the question before we started charles it's a song from into the spider-verse but it's not like highlighted as like one of the main songs like not, it's not like what's up danger or like sunflower it's just in the background but it's called riot but this group called duckworth it, danny knows it's like it's it's like two and a half minutes, but if you like need some energy to like run through a wall, it is such a good song. It it starts off just really just like he's this bass like trumpet like bah, 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 bah. and then the chorus is just a dude yelling, "Who in here is trying to start a riot?" It's amazing. Like it is my favorite gym song. Like if I'm on the treadmill when it comes on, I'm like sprinting. Great song. Look it up. Riot by Duckworth. It is amazing. <laughs> nice interesting um shout out to my wife for the question her answer for those who might be interested is the greatest showman soundtrack mm. um, which is a banging soundtrack it is a banging soundtrack you're right <clears throat> fantastic movie um hugh jackman need i say more anyway um i think eli i love your answer nf yes please um but uh i anything really lecrae uh is is uh would be my get hype music nice how about it oh all good answers danny i also just want to commend you for for shouting out swizzle just because <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about music so i need it to make i should have done the same thing with sarah Bareilles. so so well done keeping it real <laughs> you call her swizzle I do. You don't? No, no I don't. Rap name from when she did a song with T-Pain. Oh, that's right. That's probably where the subconsciousness in my brain from. Swizzle. That's such a deep cut. I don't know if most people would know it because it was like a joke song she did like when she was like 18. Yeah, but like 10 years ago. Okay. Also very funny. Like, treat yourself to Riot by Duckworth, but also treat yourself to T-Pain and Taylor Swift's rap from, like, 2011. It's really funny. Thug Story. Thank you, Thug Story. Story. Thank you, I forgot the name. (laughs) I'm assuming this isn't going to make it into the podcast. I'm assuming this part's getting cut. Oh, no, this part is not getting cut, Danny. Leave (laughs) it in, Charles. (laughs) Swizzle in all her glory is going into the podcast. I feel like we we make this needlessly difficult for Charles because regularly there are things we say that's like, I don't know about that, but I'm like, leave it, Charles. Just leave it in. I'll leave it's it in fun. as long as Taylor Swift sponsors us. Swizzle, hit us up. The day will come. The day will come. Well, let's let's get from that from then to some more serious. Yeah, more, I was gonna say maybe definitely more serious chat um about our season here, worthy of honor. And so as we've said in past episodes, the theme verse for this season is really the theme verse for kind of the mentality we try to bring to at the well with how we plan most of our seasons but in a very particular way this one so it's from second timothy 3 verses 16 and 17 all scripture is god breathed and useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of god may be thoroughly equipped for every good work and so we as uh friends as brothers uh, as disciples of jesus christ want to be equipped for every good work we want our listeners whoever tunes in at any point to through listening to our podcast become more equipped for every good work 
And that means that we need to take an approach of urgency and diligence to all scripture, all scripture being God breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And so we get a lot of joy just as friends from looking at passages in scripture that maybe aren't talked about very much or glossed over and like finding the meaning in them. Um, and it's part of why we decided to do this together because of the joy that uh, we've had in the Lord in doing that. And often, far too often, uh, the kind of passages and stories that fall into that category is the overseen or overlooked kind of not given the same weight when it comes to the all of this verse are stories about women or character profiles of women. Uh, we exist in a very male dominated narrative around the stories of the Bible and just really stories in general. And so as men, we have, we in some ways are very, are, have a very privileged existence to see successes and failures of biblical characters that we can see ourselves in. Um, but we, in, and because of that, we don't really see a ton of it from um, the female perspective or just seeing what we can learn from characters who are women because they're not given the same kind of prominence. And so we recognized uh, early, early on uh, in our bougie and anime opening fight scene, loving colleague Eli, uh, who pointed this out, that that's just a gap that we have as men in, in recognizing that um, we wanted to do this season to intentionally take time to highlight uh, women in the Bible, but also to learn from them, um, which is why we also have so many great guests to speak about it from their perspective. So, Danny, I'm going to throw to you, in your experience, what aspects of Christian womanhood aren't seen well or understood? Yeah, so you guys, I got this question uh, ahead of time, <laughs> so I didn't just have to come up with it on the spot. Uh, and kind of three things came to mind. Two were more kind of like qualities that... Uh, are for all disciples, but I think are embodied by women in a particular way, but are often talked about incorrectly within the church. And then my third thing is more kind of the experience of women, but uh, I'll kind of start with the qualities. One is a quietness or meekness. Uh, I feel like whenever we talk about this surrounding women, it's oftentimes a, it is like, it's me, it meant quite literally in like, be quiet, like don't say much, don't make a lot of noise and like, just do as you're told and be humble. And I just quite frankly, don't think that that is what it is <laughs> at all. Uh, meekness and quietness, it actually more refers to the position of the spirit and the position of the heart. And a lot of the most like godly women I know who are just kind of give everything they have towards the Lord. It's, it's not that they're quiet at all. Actually, most of them are <laughs> the opposite of quiet. Um, it's but that they have a very peaceful disposition and so that they can handle chaos in their life because they have a trust in the Lord that gives them a meek spirit. You know, whether it's the chaos of having six kids or the chaos of working full-time in ministry, which has many different elements to it and having to kind of make many different things work together uh, in a crazy way or like the chaos of work or the chaos of, you know, all of those things combined in many different ways. But um, the a meekness is a disposition of the spirit as opposed to a, um, you know, actually just being quiet and not speaking up. Yeah, I, I love that. I think that that's one of those terms. I remember when I worked at a summer camp, we had these camp rewards we'd give out at the end of every week. And there are these different virtues or qualities. And one of them was meekness. And we were told like explicitly one summer by one of my coworkers, like no one's allowed to give this award because people don't know what it means. And it became the scapegoat for like, oh, we'll give it to the quiet kid, which like isn't honoring and also just like is kind of lazy. And it, it just kind of speaks to how it's I agree. I, I always hear it as something that's uh, attributed to women and totally misunderstood in that as I've gotten older, I've heard people describe it as strength under control rather than just, oh, I'm not going to say anything because it's not my place to say anything. Um, yeah, I, I I know it's a pet peeve of a lot of people I've spoken to, both male and female, about how it's applied. So I'm glad that you're speaking into that here. 
what were your so you say you had that one and then there was another one specifically about experience just keep this is this is your show cook <laughs> the other quality that came to mind or i don't even know if you would call it a quality but the the dignity of women uh is I get particularly frustrated when I hear people within the church speak about dignity as if it's something that women need to achieve. We need to work to be, to have dignity. We need to earn dignity, but actually like dignity is inherent. It is God given. In fact, I would argue that our dignity, both as men and as women is something that Jesus died for on the cross. Like we were slaves to sin, destined for death. And like he died for that like he died for our sins and like gave us dignity in that like dignity actually like when I was thinking about this like it's gonna maybe sound a little cheesy but like dignity actually means to be worthy of honor so you know fits into the season well but dignity is something that is inherent and actually like I've actually found the more you try to like fight for dignity or be dignified like it actually comes off as less dignified um it is actually like when we realize that our dignity is just something that is inherent to us that like the Lord has given us we then have the freedom to walk in it confidently uh and it's like I don't know it's kind of a contradiction but it's like when you accept that your dignity is not something you have to fight for like that is when you can kind of fully walk in it um and so that is just something I have a huge passion for like letting like young women know especially it's like you don't have to fight for your dignity like you have dignity and it is yours to accept and to walk freely within that's a word i was gonna say don't mind us we're just writing that down <laughs> and what was the other thing danny i'm uh, keep keep going because you're you've got uh, yeah. okay. uh my the other thing was more of an experiential thing which is why it's funny I was like looked at this question a few times and this one just kind of actually the other two I kind of worked on earlier but this one just came through today is that like one of the uh maybe one of the things a lot of people and when I say people like it maybe sounds like I'm saying them but it's something a lot of women might not realize it about themselves as well as like because one of the things kind of people talk about is like men maybe having a better job, like compartmentalizing things and women generally being better at seeing how things all work together and there are strengths and weaknesses within those. Because women generally more kind of see how things all work together, they connect things more in their minds. We can be strongly impacted, like personally and emotionally by things in a way that um, I think men aren't as often again like you know we speak in tendencies not absolutes but this is something having working in ministry and you know like working in ministry is challenging for anyone and everyone who does it but I've seen it emotionally affect women in a particular way because we're just so strongly impacted on a personal level by things that impact the group so when we see one area that's not working well or we see one brother or sister who's struggling like we're just so uh impacted by it and I don't think like I actually think that's a good thing I think that's a strength it's something that all you know disciples have to learn to manage well and not let it impact us too heavily or take on more responsibility than we're actually supposed to um but it is like well it comes with a lot of challenges it's actually an incredible privilege as a woman that I've experienced like it, again, it's hard, but I am actually like really thankful that the Lord has allowed me the experience of being so like being so attached to things and being so impacted by them. Um, it's actually like because I think it's how the Lord is. He's he's in all of us and he's in all of our situations and he is in every struggle and in every triumph and every challenge. And so it's really uh, a privilege to be able to be so impacted by everything into the way that they work it works together okay super curious danny when did you realize that was actually a gift from god because our culture does not praise that at all and i love everything you just said about like the strength of being impacted by what's going on around you our culture says that's weakness, that's being overly, overly emotional, that's 
whatever, blah, blah, blah. But like, when did it click for you? No, wait, actually, this is a part of how God made me. And this is a good thing. When did I realize it was a privilege? Honestly, as I was saying it, <laughs> I had every intention of kind of like bringing it into this conversation of like, you know, brothers and sisters, like, please understand, like, this is something that's like really challenging for women. And then it's like really the Holy Spirit like, as I'm saying it, like, wow, like, yes, this is a challenge to, like, be so emotionally impacted by, like, everything that happens, but, like, what a privilege, like, we talk about, like, the Lord just having, you know, when we talk about the Lord having a heart for this or that, or for people, or for brokenness, I'm, like, what, it was literally the Holy Spirit revealing it to me as I was saying it, like, what a privilege to have a heart for, like, the difficulty and the challenges that are, that happen, whether, like, to the body or, you know, of the, the church or whether it's like for an individual or a group of individuals, like this is such a privilege. Like, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Learn from the Lord in real time. <laughs> Praise. Praise God. You heard it here heard first, folks. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's, it's really similar to um, uh, Lydia, who was our first guest, talked about uh, have, feeling like she had a gift of mercy at a young age and it was because someone pointed out like a similar not not verbatim but a similar kind of thing for her where she was very cognizant of just people who maybe were on the outskirts of the group or something so like I collectively that wasn't where it could be and she's like leaned into that as like a gifting from the Lord and it's kind of led her into uh, her career so it's really cool to hear that that's like consistent across um, uh, to very uh, different people. That's really cool. That's a blessing. Um, so with the things, going back to your first point about uh, meekness and how it's misunderstood and how a lot of the women you know don't really fall into the broken version of that definition, but they actively serve the kingdom. I, As you've alluded to, it can be kind of hard, I'd imagine, as a woman in ministry to not embody those traits but to still try and try to be active so as a campus minister you've done this for four years now how do you minister to young women that you encounter who like don't fit into that mold who maybe it's it's not just like it's not just like oh they're very loud but they're very bold in a way that is typically attributed to men and maybe experience pushback or um, reluctance from people around them. How do you minister to a young woman in that situation? That is an excellent question, and it is definitely one for which I cannot give you a complete answer because I think that this is something that uh, women will kind of just be working through forever. Um, but I think there is a lot of a lot of just speaking truth and affirming their a woman's god-given amazing qualities even when the world won't affirm them or maybe even sometimes people in the body in the church won't affirm them because uh, that's really all we you know that and praying for grace i think is really all we can do we may be able on occasion to find opportunities for them to really um, express themselves or use a gift that they've been given that they've been told is not so great uh, but other than that, it is just a lot of walking, walking through, through that with them and helping them to come to know the truth and know that it is a great thing, even if it is, you know, not what people tell them it should be, if they're not what told what there should be or don't have the qualities that they should have to either be a woman in the world or be a woman in the church. Uh, when it's, when it's from the Lord, like, we just have to affirm them in it and support them in it and hopefully you know just pray that's <laughs> just pray and let's pray more <laughs> that's something we actually just recently at a staff training had a great talk about actually from someone who I know is going to be on the podcast or probably already has been at this point Steph will be he said times it can be annoying when all you're told is to like pray and read your bible more and she's like but honestly just pray and read your bible more <laughs> The basic basic truths amen i i feel that so i'm i'm very curious danny so i've known you for two years now and very like in passing i've seen you in ministry context but i've also hung out with you with like 
you and your roommate Michelle and my wife Sandy and I have, have had like a standing appointment movie night that we need to get back to soon because we've all been out of town. Um, so I've seen you in a ministry context. I've also just hung out with you as a friend. Where do you fall in terms of just the wrecking, like the conversation about uh, meekness? Like, do you find that that's something that you've pushed against personally? Or have you found that you're more of like, ah, I don't really, I don't have the same kind of um, personalities as the women that you've like maybe supported through that, but see it as an issue. Like, this is honestly just because I'm very curious. Like, is that something that you've personally experienced? You just kind of observed. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Just my, and I think, uh, I don't know, you might want to ask Charles opinion because Charles and I have worked together uh, for the last, we were, you know, worked for the same organization for the last four years, but, you know, worked in the same location for the last two years. Uh, Charles was my boss. Um, but I think, I, I don't think most people who know me would describe me as quiet. Uh, I am, especially in the work and in ministry, I've been and, and like, I'm not ashamed of, of this. I don't think it's wrong, but I generally consider to be and am quite an opinionated person whenever something comes up. Uh, I tend to have thoughts right away and express those thoughts right away. Um, again, and I don't think that's like right or wrong. It's just how it is. Some people don't have strong opinions on things some people like need time to digest things and then like then they can tell you their thoughts but I like I will I generally have thoughts right away and I'm gonna share them and so in terms of kind of the kind of cliche stereotypical definition of meekness of like just being quiet and like doing what you're told and just not causing a ruckus I definitely don't fit that definition at all. Uh, in terms of like a more godly truth, the more godly truthful definition of meekness, I actually think it's an area where I've grown in a lot, especially having after having done full-time ministry. Uh, I think I am someone who has like a fairly diverse set of skills. I think it's okay to say and not too braggy. Uh, and so I can be involved in a number of different things at a time. And that used to kind of cause me a lot of stress and a, a lot of, um, there was just a lot of chaos happening. Or even if it was something that, you know, I, I have a degree in hospitality business. Like one of the responsibilities I tend to have is running meetings or events and things like that. And it's as much as I love it, the, there's a lot of different layers and parts to things like running retreats or meetings and I can really get overwhelmed by the chaos of all those different things even though it's my job to make them not chaotic and just handle it and but a lot of that I think stress came from a lack of confidence in myself and a just kind of like oh this is what defines me like if this goes poorly like no one's ever gonna trust me again to like have this responsibility like there is a zero margin for error here and I really had to kind of grow in peacefulness in that like sometimes one I don't do everything right all the time no one ever does but it's like sometimes even you do everything right and things still don't go well uh, and I think I really had to grow in humility in the Lord and in meekness in that like sometimes there's just chaos and you gotta roll with it and Things that maybe caused me a lot of stress when I first started ministry don't stress me out anymore. And I can have a lot of fun with them because I've grown in that meekness and in having a quiet spirit uh, because the Lord's given me the grace to do that. Amen. Praise God for that. I, yeah, I was, I was, I don't think that Danny would describe herself as on the more like quiet side of things, but I did just from knowing you, I think you model, uh, meekness in its proper context well of like having strong opinions being confident of like yeah i'm going to do this because i feel like the lord's given me the ability to do it and then doing it gracefully um so yeah thanks for for sharing that um we're going to transition now into our passage or passages focusing on our biblical woman ruth so this week's passages are from Ruth chapter 1, verses 6 through 18, Ruth chapter 3, 
verses 1 through 14, and Ruth chapter 4, verses 13 through 22. Pray for me, y'all. It is a long one. Um, if you have your Bibles and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. Naomi endured a series of Job-esque years that must have felt like a waking nightmare. First, her husband Elimelech passes away. He is followed shortly after by her sons Chilion and Mal. In the wake of this devastation, Naomi still had two daughters-in-law to care for, and she faces Ruth and Orpah in a torrent of pain and uncertainty. Her message simple, take care of yourselves, forget about me. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore, she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go, return each of you to your mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, turn back my daughters. Go for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons. Would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters. For it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. Wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well, for you, that it may be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go in, uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, All that you say to me I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz, she had eaten, after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came softly, uncovered his feet, and, lied down, and lay down. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself, and there a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, Who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, and that you did not go after young men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know my all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Now it is true that I am a close relative, however, there is a relative closer than I. Stay this night, and in the morning it shall it shall be that if he will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you as the Lord lives. Lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning and she arose before one could recognize another. Then he said, do not let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. So Ruth four. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative and may his name be famous in Israel and may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons has borne him. 
Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom, and he became and became a nurse to him. Also, the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, "There is a son born to Naomi," and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now, this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Amminadab. Amminadab begot Nashon. Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz, and Boaz begot Obed. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. Gentlemen and lady, what can we learn from Ruth's story? Mine's really, mine's really quick. I um, find it very fascinating that this is one of the only, if not the only story in the Bible told from a woman's perspective. And so just like in our season, it's very interesting to, to kind of to read this passage with that knowledge in mind, um, like the uniqueness of the story should, I'm sure we'll talk about it, reveal something here um, with uh, uh, the, the women's perspective and, and told from their, their, their point of view. So two things that I love about this one is, well, so similarly to Esther, God is also not mentioned a whole bunch of times. Um, God is no, and the Lord spoke to, Ruth, no, I, I like it. There's no like glorious moments. It's just devout people making the best decisions they can given their circumstances. That's one thing I love, um, which I find far more relatable in terms of uh, Bible narratives. Uh, secondly, I just want to honor Ruth because she left her entire culture for a foreign people and for God. Like, she loved God and she was willing to go into poverty to be a part of God's people. And I don't know, I, I we're going to get through a lot more thoughts. I'm waiting to hear what other people are saying so I can like sort of test the waters, but I'm, I hope I don't say a bunch of things, but I have opinions. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'll leave it at that for now. Uh, amen to that, Eli. Um, Ruth is like pretty much every, all of her qualities, like she's everything I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> Uh, but in particular, like, since you all just like jump off of that, since you kind of brought it up, because I know I had some notes on it, like Ruth is very loyal to Naomi, like, and, you know, and like, your people will be my people and your God will be my God, like, that's powerful, like, that is incredible, and I think that, you know, and kind of you mentioned it, like, she didn't, it wasn't just that she kind of loved Naomi, and she's like, oh, yeah, like, Naomi's great and she's got a, like a lot of great things going for her so like I definitely want to be a part of that it's like I am choosing Naomi and like it was a pretty bleak in terms of like what their future was going to look like at that point like she was not exactly taking the safe route when she chose Naomi and she chose the Lord and like so that was that and it's like that is very brave um something else I love about this and that, like it was the first thing that struck me when I was reading this is the relationship between Naomi and Ruth and just like how for me that inspires my relationship with other great women especially women of faith uh it's something that kind of gets joked about a lot in culture you know like women supporting women or like female friendships which are all great things I love it and I support it but it is kind of just said very flippantly or in a way that is very like sound by you know women supporting women or boss female friendships uh where it's like actually like so much deeper than that um I know you know I have an excellent mother and I also have many many great sisters in the Lord both kind of who are peers but also big sisters in the Lord and spiritual mothers in the Lord who have just shaped me in ways that I'm sure I don't even totally understand and who have just really walked with me through some of the darkest and hardest points in my life. Uh, and that is like, I just cannot overstate the importance of having people. And I think especially like as a woman, having other women of faith to walk through life with and like this, that's what Ruth and Naomi are like I mean it's Ruth really like making the commitment here but like they're kind of committing this to one another right like we're going to be a family and like no matter what's about to happen we're gonna go through it together yeah Ruth's willingness to like choose for suffering 
um, in this passage is something that's distinctly Christ-like. Um, like Eli, you and Danny both alluded to it, like to choose to carry, like, it's crazy because Ruth also just, she had options. Like Naomi uh, references that. Like Naomi was a Moabite woman and Ruth was from Judah, one of the original tribes of Israel. And so Ruth left her people to uh, marry Naomi's son and then he died. And so she had a people she could have returned to. Um, but Naomi and Naomi says, yeah, just go do that. You've got options there. And Ruth just says, no, I, I'm going to stick with you. Even though that was like specifically choosing for uncertainty and poverty and like low social status is just two uh, widows just making their way across like the world. Like there's so much in that the active, like uh, refusal of like resources and comfort that Ruth had to, like actively do to say yes to Naomi. And I, I admire that so much because that is such a picture of Jesus' sacrifice for us. Like wasn't his sin, but he chose to suffer and die for it. And for um, Na- for Ruth, who was like mourning the loss of her husband during all of this as well, um, she didn't see her prospects or her future or her own like pain that like she would have been completely justified and like I'm just gonna go deal with me for a bit she didn't see those as things that were so important that she wouldn't continue to journey and take the harder choice for this person that she loved in Naomi and I I think there's so much in that that I think as disciples we should take on of not removing ourselves from situations because on face value it's not like our problem or our issue but choosing as Ruth did as Jesus did to make other people's pain our problem um when the Lord is calling us to I think that's important as well we don't want to be emotionally imprudent or go into battles Lord is not calling us to but when he has bound us to someone or bound us to a cause or bound us to something that he wants us to bring about the kingdom of God in, then it's incumbent upon us to choose for it, even when that costs us. And it costs Ruth probably most days of her life between the death of her husband to um, even after meeting Boaz and she chose for it anyway. And I just think that's really, really powerful. Just for like some backdrop early on in the conversation, because this is what, this is the culture that Ruth walked away from being a Moabite woman. Um, Moab started um, because of one of the worst men in scripture, at least in my opinion, my humble opinion, Lot, um, the grandfather and father of Moab. <laughs> Gross. Um, and so like, he's their patriarch. And so that's, that's, it's just that never that's turned out an opportunity to crap on Lot. I, I'm, I'm here I will for never turn down the. He's a, he was a crap husband. Keep your wife next to you, please. Um, <laughs> he was a crap. He's a crap father. Don't offer your daughters to gang rape, you weirdo. Uh, this is also, this is your equivalent of Danny. Like while I've got the the mic, I need to shout out Swizzle. Like while while I'm here, <laughs> let me just remind you of how trash Lot is. Anyway, can so, I just so jump in for like yeah. so I can as like friend, I can inform your listeners. Eli does this all the time. It's not just like for the podcast. <laughs> if he has an opportunity to express his frustration at some of the individuals in the Bible and their poor choices, he will do it. And we <laughs> encourage him. So it's not like, <laughs> not like it's all on him. But this is what Eli does. You need to get more creative in how you bring it up. Like you're outside and like, like a, like some skunk smell wasps by. It's like ah, oh, smells like garbage. Speaking of garbage, have you heard about Lot? <laughs> oh, it looks like there's going to be a lot of snow. Speaking of Lot, <laughs> sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> Lot's trash. Um, and throughout, uh, and from Genesis 19 onward, you can see throughout the Old Testament that Moab or the Moabites frequently competed with Israel as their enemies on the battlefield, um, as those who went in and out of worship to the one and true God, um, but also like worshiped a ton of other uh, false gods. Um, Part of Solomon's downfall was he had a lot of wives. 
but the ones that were pointed out <laughs> as being some of the most <laughs> misleading were Moabite women who offered up their false gods to draw him away from his relationship with God. Granted, that's also on Solomon. Uh, we're not going to blame them specifically, but it was the point I'm making is that Moab and Israel were not on good terms. And for a Moabite woman to have seen value enough in an Israeli family's um, culture and um, enough to leave that, um, to say, yes, your people will be my people, your God will be my God. I, I think we forget about how crazy that is and how radical, radical that is. Um, and I think Ruth poses the question to both men and women who claim Christ as their Lord and Savior is, um, are you willing to forsake the heathen, the ungodly, the wicked things of culture that would drive you away from the one true God? Are you willing to like weigh God as so much more valuable than everything else? And that's what I got when I was reading and I was like, yikes, there are some things I am still holding on to. Um, Ruth is so worthy of honor. Yeah, piggybacking off of that, it's interesting that in, uh, I think it's verse, let's see here, chapter 3, verse 11. Yes, Boaz uses the words, at least in my translation, he says, and now my daughter, do not be afraid. I will do all for you that you ask for all the assembly of my people know that you are a worthy woman. And in the original language, it's the exact same um, vernacular or phrase that's used in Proverbs 31. Uh, and so I was reading this and I was like, you know, Ruth is kind of like the quintessential Proverbs 31 woman. And then sure enough, look at there's something biblical in the language that like points that out. <laughs> I did not know that. Thank you for teaching me, Charles. That's fantastic. Bible just dropping Easter eggs left and right. <laughs> also, on this note of poverty, so I want to dig into that a little bit more because um, this, so Boaz it owns a ton of property. Um, he has hired harvesters. There's a lot of farming going on, threshing floor, gleaning. These are all agricultural terms. Um, so, for those who don't know, gleaning. Uh, was a law commanded by God in Leviticus 19, um, where um, he specifically told Israel to not harvest their entire fields and allow for poor and foreign folk to glean, so pick up the rest. Um, and threshing, while it may be described as a sexual innuendo, is not at all. Threshing is something that you do to knock off the weeds, debris, dirt sticks and leaves from valuable crops so like when you go to a threshing floor you go to a room where you knock off the crap from the stuff you're going to sell after you've harvested it um and so that proves that not only as a foreigner but like naomi and ruth were in dire straits and even though god is not specifically mentioned um what we're able to recognize in this situation is the fact that he was providing for Ruth in her faithfulness and in Naomi's faithfulness in returning back to Israel after a famine had ended. It was like a decade long famine. God is good. And he responds to the, to the faithfulness of his disciples by um, giving them a seat at the table <laughs> when they otherwise wouldn't have one. Um, you see throughout the entire account that Ruth is just taken care of and given abundantly through Boaz. And not only that, the Lord providing for her and Noemi in their poverty, uh, Ruth, a Moabite woman, is in the genealogy of Jesus. And yes. that's like mind-blowing. Yes. When they otherwise wouldn't have any place to be. I made this comment last time. Sorry. But like, this is one of my passion moments because I, I actually wanted to ask you about this, Danny. Because um, I've heard a, I've heard a, <laughs> a lot of my Christian sisters, uh, some brothers bring this quote up, but mostly sisters say, I need to find my Boaz. And <laughs> that to me draws very <laughs> particular feelings because this is not at all a romantic story, like at all. This is a very transactional thing. And 
I don't think a 21st century American woman would find anything attractive about <laughs> about the process that Ruth had to go through to wind up married to, to this man. And I just would like you to explain to me what you all mean when you say looking for my Boaz. Because I hear it a lot and I just want clarity. <laughs> Well, I guess I should, this is one of those moments where I'd have to say, like, not all women think alike. But are you thinking alike when you say you, because I've heard this quote a lot, I've heard this. It's true, yeah, yeah, and I think, I think certainly some women mean it a bit, you know, they certainly, they mean it humorously, um, some mean it a little too seriously, which is like a deeper pastoral issue, which needs to be addressed in the individual sister. Um, but I think in your, you're right, Eli, this story is like not a story of romance. There are stories of romance in scripture, but like this isn't really one. Like this is one that's very much like rooted in like tradition and, you know, thing, things like, and like just kind of the way like the, the things were at the time Boaz certainly here is a very good man. like you can't argue that he even though it was the law that people were supposed to allow the poor and the sojourners to kind of glean from the field I think it's just kind of clear from context clues and scriptures that probably a lot of people didn't do that because believe it or not not everybody does what the Lord says to do uh, so I and I so I think it is clear here that um he, he you know he so he's generous in that way he's certainly you know loyal to the lord but also generous in that he allows that he is protective and not in a way that is like gross or creepy or possessive but he's just like realistic and that like yeah it can be dangerous to be a single woman uh, you know it can just be dangerous to be a kind of a woman like out in the world uh something that still is true today and he's like so i'm gonna do what i can to assure your safety and it sounds like it you know and it's not just ruth by telling her to kind of stick with the other women it sounds like he um whether by reputation or just by you know past demonstration like he like protects though he protects those who he can and who he feels he has a responsibility to protect and he also like he's just generous in what he gives her specifically he recognizes her great qualities so i think you know someone you know a man who can recognize the good qualities a woman has is great so i think like he just has all of these really strong qualities that women would love to find in a man and would make a great husband so i guess like in terms of like what are women saying when they need to find their boaz i think that's what they're saying they're just um I don't know, you could maybe argue that they're like thinking about like, oh, like this is in the same way that we sometimes maybe latch on to like the Proverbs 30. Maybe it's like the same idea of like sometimes men latch on to the idea of like finding a Proverbs 31 woman, woman, like maybe this is like women's version. Like we latch on to the idea of like finding a Boaz. I buy that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. No, thank you. Um, I have a question for you though regarding um Ruth and Naomi's friend are more than friendship. Um, but what advice would you give to a young woman who is looking for a mentor to help guide her? Because ultimately, Ruth, because she was walking into a foreign culture to her own, she needed Naomi to guide her through that. And ultimately, Naomi did. She had a lot of, she knew exactly how to. Like, hey, I have a redeemer. He has a role in the family. If we go to him, things will be settled. And like Naomi's wisdom helped that. So how do you help a Ruth find a Naomi? Yeah, I think one of the best things you can do is pray. One, pray that the Lord would send you a good godly uh, woman to walk alongside you and to be your mentor. Uh, but I think kind of more practically speaking, much like Ruth was, like you have to be proactive about it you have to kind of go out and find one and maybe that's through your church or an organization you know an organization you're a part of what you know uh, or a ministry you're part of to like to like look around and see who's around and who can or you know or even if you're not necessarily looking for 
Christian mentor, if you're looking for a mentor in your workplace, like look and see who's around. And a lot of times like the direct ask is the best way to go. Like, Hey, like, I really admire you. I think I could learn a lot from you. Would you be willing to be a mentor? And, you know, in like, and then of course, if it's more in a Christian context, you can maybe get a little more Christianese in the way that you say, like, could you be a mentor and a big sister, a spiritual big sister to me? And like, support me in life and in discipleship thank you well said i hope that if if you're listening and you're like i i needed aomi in my life uh that um the lord would soften your heart to see that as he uh provides for you in that way any closing thoughts on ruth before we get out of here everyone i just really wanted to hit on well, you know, i think we talked a lot about like ruth's faith but i think there she has so much even though the Lord isn't spoken a lot about in this book, you know, she does say, like, she says directly, like, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Like, she has a lot of faith in the Lord, especially when it comes to things are out of her control. You know, some when I think when I kind of first read Ruth a few years ago, and I was much more immature in my faith, I just really wanted to be angry about the situation itself and be like, oh, like, well, why do they have to be poor now just because their husbands are gone? Or like, why can't they get jobs? You know, <laughs> uh, why does it like, you know, on all these things, which is like, uh, but it, 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 you know, I don't know, you can ask deeper questions about why things were the way they were, like, though, that's not bad. But ultimately, it's like, they were that way, like, this was the situation, situation they were in. And like, Ruth has a lot of trust in that. And I think that is most apparent when she does something very bold you know under Naomi's guidance when she's going to Boaz and saying please be our kinsman redeemer and like please consider marrying me like that's a very bold ask to make Uh, but more so than that is when Boaz says like I will do this unless the one who's like a closer relative chooses to do it then like we'll honor that and like you should let him be your kinsman redeemer and you should marry him. And so it's like, to me, I read that like, oh, like there's a very real chance here. Like it won't be Boaz. Like someone else technically could come before Boaz and choose to be the family kinsman redeemer. And with that, choose to want to marry Ruth. And like, even if she were then maybe to refuse to marry him, it sounds like Boaz is like a pretty traditional guy. Like he's not going to kind of go around this other family member. So she like, she has a lot of faith in the Lord. She does what she's supposed to do. And the rest, she really leaves up to the Lord and in his hands, even when that's not necessarily a guarantee that things are going to go the way you would hope for them to go. Amen. Yeah, it's kind of a, a product of the, her situation as we have touched on numerous times to be like an unmarried woman is to kind of so much of what happens is not like under your control in those times. Um and so for her to just kind of go forward, I, I, I'm also struck by just like her getting this plan from Naomi and just being like, all right, <laughs> and just like going for it. Um, but to go ahead in the confidence that uh, the Lord will provide, it's kind of like, what was it? I think it's um, is it Jonathan in his armor bearer where he's like, if we go, maybe God will do something. Just this sense of like, he very well couldn't, he very well, that very well may not happen. And it's a wrap. But the willingness to trust the Lord and like, my life is in his hands. So no matter how this works out, I'm going to go forward is, yeah, testament to her faith and just the maturity of um, the grace to handle that situation as well as she did. Um, yeah, there is, it's, a, it's such a short book, but there's so much more that we could, we could say, on, say, on Ruth, say on Ruth. So who knows, maybe there'll be a, a part two in the future. That is all for this week. Thank you all so much for listening. Danny, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so happy that we could we could have you on for this. Thanks for having me. And thanks for having me. It's been definitely the highlight of my week and just an honor in general to be on At The Well. Yes. That, that's what we go for. We want to be the highlights of people's. We want the Lord to be the highlight of people's week through, through us. <laughs> That's all we've got for this week. Nothing makes me study scripture more than being asked to talk about scripture. So this is good for me. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll start hitting you up for those, like, more of those lesser known verses. Like, Danny, let's get your thoughts on Leviticus. You just pick your brain for a little bit.
Oh, Lordy. Well, you can check us out at atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Three Guys at the Well. And if you want even more content and would like to help this podcast grow, consider becoming a patron and head on over to patreon.com forward slash at the well for exciting new bonus content like our series, our seasons on hope, justice, and our recurring season of Jesus in the movies. We'll talk to you soon here at the well.